Welcome back to another episode of the CNS Summit podcast. This episode was recorded on the main stage at the 2019 CNS Summit in Boca Raton, Florida. It features a conversation with Ali Parsa, the CEO of Babylon Health, with Dr. Amir Kalali and Dr. Junaid Bajava. Dr. Kalali is the chief curator of CNS Summit, and Dr. Bajava is the global lead for strategic alliances and solutions for the Global Digital Center of Excellence at Merck. Together, they discuss how a wide range of technologies can enable an accessible and affordable health service for every person on Earth. You can find more CNS Summit podcasts on Health Podcast Network by visiting healthpodcastnetwork.com. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast players, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. To find out more about upcoming events, news, and announcements, visit and subscribe to the CNS Summit newsletter by visiting cnssummit.org. And now, Here's the conversation with Ali Parsa, CEO of Babylon Health. And I need to invite two people who look a lot better than me, who are a lot smarter than me, Amir and Junaid, to join us on the stage. Thank you, Ali. So, you know, Ali is representative of something I kind of mentioned earlier. So yesterday we had our leadership council meeting, right? And I said, so be honest, before you saw Ali's name on our website, who had heard of Babylon or Ali? And no one had, right? Which was completely shocking to me because outside the US, believe me, people know Ali and Babylon. So it's very interesting to me that every year we try, oh, he also carries chairs, this is phenomenal. I used to be a refugee, Amir, I used to do this job. (laughs) Thank you. So um, we're gonna just have a quick chat to kind of think about what does this mean, right? So, okay, well, I think we can say Ali, right where you are is fantastic, that's great. Um, it's interesting, the, the slides you showed, um, it seems every company is an AI company these days, right? Pretty much every company. Um, why did I, I'm just trying to explain to people in the audience, why did I choose you instead of the millions of other companies saying, uh, what, you've had quite a bit of interest from investors, I believe. Tell me, what's your company evaluated at right now? Oh, um... Let's not get carried away with that. We're worth, Just or the last long evaluation was around a couple of uh, billion dollars, and uh, we raised about uh, uh, $600 million of money. Recently, okay. And um, it, if I'm correct, you've really globally, you have actually delivering these services. So this isn't a vaporware PowerPoint that you might see at a VC or something, correct? This is what you showed is really happening right now in the NHS, and is that correct? That's correct. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I used to be an academic, and, and I find it really interesting when I come to the U.S. often. Um, we often show the desire and the dreams of what we're going to have tomorrow as if it's happening already. Uh, you guys are incredibly good in U.S. in marketing your dreams. Uh, we in Europe are a little bit more subdued than that. Uh, so um, I think everything we showed in one way or another we are delivering today uh, we are going to put this hopefully in tents with Tencent in, inside every WeChat where uh, everybody can basically have an AI uh, in their pocket. We do it across Southeast Asia uh, with Prudential. We do it in Africa with Gates Foundation um, and the government of Rwanda, as I was showing you, in UK with the National Health Service in Britain, in Canada with TELUS. Um, and hopefully from January next year, we'll be in the United States where we will announce some significant partnerships with some of your best payers to bring this to the masses. Uh, 
Great. So now uh, you notice Junaid is with us, and the reason Junaid's here, you may remember Junaid from last year. Uh, Junaid is a phenomenal physician who still works in the NHS as a physician, but also is at Merck, uh, looking after a lot of their digital initiatives. You have a very long title, I, I won't try and remember. But uh, Junaid is also a phenomenal guy who really knows a lot of people, is very curious about what's happening in this space. And I was lucky enough that Junaid knew Ali. What is not, it is not easy to get Ali. You, you came in from the Middle East, right? From a, or was it Zurich, or where did you just fly from? Um, uh, from, from Saudi Arabia by Zurich. Okay. So uh, Ali, uh, Ali was brought to us by Junaid. Uh, he was kind enough to do that. And Junaid explained to me, because I've been following Babylon for, for a long time, as long as you've been around, frankly. And, I, and, Ali, and Junaid said to me, hey, I really think you, know, you should have Ali talk about what Babylon's up to. I said, well, okay, but you know, he's really impacting healthcare. Uh, I said, my folks are all life science people. How was the connection? So I'm going to put that hard question to Junaid. Did you, as someone who is in the life sciences and clinical care, what did you see in Babylon? I know you have no ties to Babylon, you don't work with Babylon, yep. but what, what made you excited about that? Why do you think it applies to our world? So I think for me, Babylon's really captured my imagination. And, and I think there's this artificial divide between what life sciences and industry does versus healthcare. And we sometimes mash everything together. If I break down how I look at life sciences as discovery, development, and then ultimately delivery. We do phenomenal work in the discovery of novel molecules that can change lives. Uh, there's incredible innovation happening around sightless trial, virtuous, virtual trials, the use of telemedicine. And then ultimately on the delivery side, we sometimes leave that to the healthcare systems to figure out how they adopt these medicines. In a world where Babylon exists, or in a world where Seth Kahani in <coughs> Pakistan exists, where you're thinking about the role of telemedicine, artificial intelligence across the world, in a world where by 2030, the World Health Organization will say that we have 15 to 20 million less doctors, nurses, and pharmacists on the planet. We have aging populations. We have increase in chronic disease. We absolutely te need technologies like Babylon to exist in the world for us to figure out the delivery side of care. If on the delivery side of care, that data is being captured, Imagine if you can have a seamless transition from the trial world and the de clinical development side into the real world. So why is it that the technologies that we have available to us today, we're not deploying in our trials? Why is it that the outcomes in our trials are different to what we have in the real world? Why can't trials in the future be an option for treatment? And if we can capture not only the biology of our patients and the public that we serve, but the metadata around them, the economic data, the lifestyle and behavior data, maybe that will allow us to target and create more personalized medicines for the future. So I personally think if you take that discovery, development, and delivery aspect of what we have a collective responsibility to do in life sciences, we should be thinking about partnerships with organizations like Babylon to allow them to be realized in the world and thinking about how relevant they are to us. That's great. So uh, you mentioned earlier, Ali, that the slight difference between the US and um, Europe, uh, but having dinner with you last night, I got the sense that you're actually, for uh, someone who lives in the UK, you're pretty optimistic, actually. So th there's a lot of pessimism about technology in the future. What makes you optimistic? Uh, look, I, I don't understand pessimists, right? I, I try to avoid negative people in life anyways. <laughs> I mean, they, all they do is suck energy from you by just telling you it can't be done. And as human beings, you know this, like we all just seem smarter when we say, ah, let me tell you 10 reasons why you can't do something. It just seems, well, the reality is the world moves by people who do things rather than sit on the side and say it can't be done. But just look at them here, where we are today. 
the poorest country in the world today, with the worst healthcare system in the world, has a better health system for its populations than the richest country of 50 years ago. That's just the reality of where we are today, right? We have saved hundreds of millions of lives by just making vaccinations available to everybody, right? We are in a fundamentally better place we are today than we were 50 years ago. This process is only going to accelerate. Uh, I, we didn't talk about what is happening in your field, but I mean, I am super excited about the world of biology, synthetic biology, mm -hmm. and what that can do when you add it out to the world of technology. And as Junaid was saying, we need to take this to the masses. It is not right, team, that 50% of the world population has no or very little access to the kind of healthcare you and I have. Five billion people have almost no access to surgery. And you say, oh, that's for people we never meet in the other sides of the planet. You know, in this country, last night, 2,000 people, 2,000 people were incarcerated and spent time in the Cook County Jail in Chicago for no other crime but having mental health problems. Mm. That's the world we live in. It's within our power to change it. And I think we can. Right. Junaid, did you have anything else you want to ask? I'm not really sure how I follow that, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, for me, I think this is about global health and it is about equity. And I think this, anything that's slightly disruptive or something that creates change can feel uncomfortable. But if I look at the cohort of clinicians that I trained with, an increasing number of them are thinking about the adoption of technology and how they build that into their clinical practice, be that in hospital or primary care, but they face massive resistance. I'm hugely optimistic if I see um, the growth of Babylon in the NHS and what you've done to, to think about transforming primary care, thinking about the increasing adoption of video-based platforms to increase access for the most vulnerable of society. I'm, I'm super excited to see what's happening with a range of other platforms across the world to democratize what healthcare should be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think... Like Ali, I'd rather see the glass half full than the glass half empty. That's great. Well, you know, in this meeting, we also like to be optimistic and uh, try and change things, so I think that really fits in. Uh, Ali, I'm very grateful you flew over to see us, and I hope the audience enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this CNS Summit podcast. To get more episodes on your device automatically, be sure to subscribe to the CNS Summit podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. You can also get this on Health Podcast Network, which you can find at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Be sure to visit the CNS Summit website at cnssummit.org to find out more about upcoming events, news, and announcements.